Welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. As you probably noticed by now, I am not Jeff Ratcliffe. My name is Ian Hartz, and I'll be hosting this pod moving forward. Could not be more excited for the opportunity to do so. The plan for the rest of the offseason is to bring on some of the industry's best minds for Tuesday and Thursday shows, while I'll also be doing a quick-hitting team preview series starting sometime mid-July. Now, if you don't know who I am, please just allow me to introduce myself in under 30 seconds. We can get this get-to-know-you-awkward phase out of the way. I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, before attending the University of Chicago. I spent a year wasting away as a consultant before moving on to Fantasy Labs. Real world, now I could not be happier to be at PFF. Continuously heartbroken that freaking Hugh Jackson and Bill O'Brien have created this narrative. Duke Johnson, the used all-time leading rusher, isn't a three-down back, despite the guy never missing a game, regularly functioning as one of the league's most efficient RBs. Curtis Samuel was not miscast as a field stretcher in 2019. Kyle Allen was miscast as a, as a professional quarterback. As the incumbent president of the Cordero Passing Fan Club, let me tell you, you do not value that man enough as you should. And I also find umbrellas to almost be a waste of a perfectly good hand, as well as a general sign of weakness. So that's me. Thank you all for letting me get through that. Now it's like we know each other for years, so we can get past all that. On to the good stuff. Today, I want to talk about quarterbacks with arguably the single brightest mind in the industry. Fancy football industry is longtime GOAT, co-founder of Established the Run, overall beast of a person and i mean that in the kindest way possible evan silva what is going on evan ian what's up man um you know i've been a, a long time not even long time because you really haven't even been in the game that long but as, as soon as you started in the game i was an immediate admirer your your work ethic stood out um i think you're maybe the hardest working man in fantasy football right now i mean and that's something that i really admire because you know, you kind of reminded me of myself um, when I was, uh, you know, like maybe around your age. I mean, I, I spent like 10 years just I would wake up, get some coffee, um, maybe make some some eggs and bacon and I would work until I went to sleep. And I feel like that's what and I did that for 10 years. And I feel like that's what you do. And, um, you know, your Twitter game is incredible. Um, your your defense is impregnable. And, you know, you, you, you're a really, really talented guy, and I love to see you moving up because you absolutely deserve it, you know, as much or, or more than anyone else in this industry. And um, so, so glad to, so happy for you, man. Re- truly am. Really appreciate that, man. No, could not mean more coming from yourself. And somehow, this is our first time truly potting, talking about NFL. We got to do an AAF talk back in the day, you know, back in the spring football rain. But today we are going NFL and specifically QBs. You know, I, again, we'll be having Tuesday and Thursday episodes uh, throughout these next two weeks where we're going by position. But today, all things quarterbacks. Now, Evan, I know you've been doing team previews. You got rankings all over established to run. Make sure you people check that out if you haven't already. I posted my top 150 last week and answered a key fancy question for each QB. So with that, let's get going. And any QB conversation has to start. At the top, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Mr. 10-year contract, just got it as right before we started this podcast. But, Evan, here's a question, man. I, I think we can all agree Patrick Mahomes, if you're starting an NFL franchise, he's your QB1. We're not starting a franchise. We're just trying to win fantasy football money and hopefully a championship. So, Lamar Jackson attempting to become the first repeat QB1 since Dante Culpepper. Who do you have, Lamar or Mahomes, QB1? I personally have Patrick Mahomes ahead of Lamar Jackson. I think that we are going to uh, see Lamar Jackson. Uh, this is my, my daughter. Uh, trying to figure out how to use the microwave. So hopefully (laughs) she's, she's about to turn eight in like eight days. And, um, but anyways, I I personally have Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback one, but I have 
them in obviously the same tier. And I have them literally ranked right next to each other in my overall top 150. If I could rank them at the same spot, I probably would. You know, I would have them at, I don't know. I, I think they're both uh, worthy of third round picks. And I actually recently did take Patrick Mahomes at 3.09 uh, in a recent draft and um, felt great about the, the draft. And, uh, but I, I have Patrick Mahomes ahead of Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is going to take a significant step back in terms of his passing touchdown rate, which was just otherworldly. Uh, we had Bill Barnwell on, on our show. Uh, the other uh, the other day, and he uh, noted the stat that Lamar Jackson, or that only three quarterbacks in NFL history have had a, an above nine percent TD rate, and you know none of them sustained it. Uh, and so Lamar Jackson is, I think he's a, I, th I still think he's a really really strong pick. But for me, I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. I love the continuity in the offense in Kansas City. I love the fact that you know they bolstered bolstered the the pass catching dynamism of their backfield with uh, CEH. Um, I think that Travis Kelsey is going to definitely score more than five touchdowns. Uh, and um, Tyreek Hill is likelier to stay healthy than in a season where he missed, what, three or four games. And Patrick Mahomes is likelier to stay healthy than he did uh, last year. So um, I, I had Patrick Mahomes literally one spot ahead of Lamar Jackson in the overall 150. Yeah, and real quick, referencing that touchdown rate stat from uh, Barmol, I looked at eight QBs post a touchdown rate of at least eight percent since eight, at least eight percent since two thousand. Only Aaron Rodgers managed to surpass even six point five percent the following year. It's just hard to stay that good in back to back seasons. And the sneaky thing with Mahomes, man, we kind of saw this in the playoffs and it, the rushing upside when he's healthy. It's a lot. It's yes. seriously with these tier yes. two guys. I mean, even going back Texas Tech, this guy scored twenty two rushing touchdowns. Downs in his last 25 collegiate games. I mean, that run he had against the Titans last year is one of the more athletic things we saw from a non-Lamar Jackson quarterback. To me, though, I got to go with Lamar QB1 just because I think his rushing production, I mean, we, we know it's insane. I mean, 61 rushing yards per game, better than anyone, but it's not even 61. It actually should be 81 because he's got had those first 10 games as a rookie where, you know, they were using him as a wildcat. So that's actually kind of skewing his rushing yards per game. So truly the only players with more rushing yards than Lamar over these last two years, if we use that 81, Zeke, Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry, and Chris Carson. It's absolutely wild, but maybe Mahomes can get, you know, also provide 30, 40 rushing yards per game with a healthy season. Yeah. You know, Lamar, just the fact that the Ravens were like 32nd in uh, pass attempts, and first in rushing attempts, and he led the NFL in passing touchdowns is, I mean, that's, that's impossible to repeat. I, I, I'm willing to say that that's impossible to repeat. Um, Especially just a, after not having you know, gotten A.B. Diggs, any, you know, extra yeah. guy. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, it's just going to be a matter of how, how uh, hard he is hit by regression. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was hit pretty hard by regression going from his, what, 50 touchdown pass year to, um, you know, his TD rate went from like 8.6 to, I don't know, something in the fives, in the middle fives, which is still awesome, awesome TD rate. But that is a massive crash. I mean, that's a 3% loss in, in TD rate. And, um, you know, I just, I get concerned about Lamar Jackson going from a guy who threw 36 touchdown passes to maybe throwing like 22. And it would really take a big, you know, that, that would take a big bite out of his uh, fantasy production at the end of the day. 
For sure. But we're on the same page. It's definitely that tier of those two guys. You know, again, I'm not going to argue with anyone that does have Mahomes over Lamar like yourself. So with that said, there's also pretty clear too, in my opinion, of these next quarterbacks. And that's Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and your guy, Josh Allen. So, you know, I'm a big Josh Allen lover as well. I know not everyone in my company. I know you are. I know you are. I know not everyone in my company likes to say good things about him, but look, everyone, there's a difference between being a great quarterback and being just an entertaining quarterback. And, you know, when we got to watch 16 games a week, we need more people like Josh Allen in the world. Anyway, each of these five guys boast plenty of dual threat goodness. Evan, who are your favorites, enemies from the group? Why should we all love Josh Allen? I mean, here's the thing. Everyone that you just named in this second tier is in my second tier. So we really aren't disagreeing. I mean, I could wake up one day and be like, yo, I want to put Dak at the top of the tier. And I could wake up one day and be like, I want to put Russ at the top of the tier. Maybe they'll, unle- hey, what if they sign AB, you know? Yeah. Um, I wake up some days and I'm like, Josh Allen, he's about to win MVP. <laughs> he's not at the top of the tier. Deshaun Watson, what are we doing? Why is he not at the top of the tier? So it's just a great, great tier. And I really think you can mix and match them um, any way that you like. And it's sort of like, you know, going to Baskin Robbins, man, you, you, you got, you got your pick of the litter and uh, they're, they're all ballers. And I mean, Josh Allen to, you know, I, I think that people overrate the, the real life inadequacies uh, of Josh Allen as it pertains to his ability to just crush in fantasy. We saw he was the number one overall fantasy quarterback uh, down the stretch of uh, 2018 uh, over the last, the final six games last year, he was um, less of a, a, a like a high ceiling guy, more of like a high floor guy. So, hey, if all that comes together and we see the ceiling, that's how Lamar was actually. Um, In 2018, he was a floor guy and not a ceiling guy. And then we saw him just absolutely crush as a ceiling guy um, in 2019. And I mean, I think that Lamar is a little better than than Josh Allen. Uh, But man, the supporting cast in Buffalo is really, really strong now. And you're telling me, Number one receiver, Stefan Diggs. Number two receiver, John Brown. Number three receiver, Cole Beasley. Dawson Knox, I think, has a chance uh, to t- take a, a nice little leap uh, in his second season. Um, you know, they, they're another team that maintains a lot of continuity at head coach, at offensive coordinator. I think that Brian Dable might be a little bit underrated. They're going to hit the ground running. They have a really, really nice schedule, especially I think their buys in week 11, I want to say. And um, – their schedule from weeks one to 10 is like shootout game or they're going to crush shootout game or they're going to crush. And um, so that, that's really why I'm, I'm, I'm high on Josh Allen as a fantasy quarterback. He is the only quarterback in the league, maybe with respect to Taysom Hill. That is a true vulture. I think we overuse that term generally, but look, the guy is eighth since entering the league with 17 rushing touchdowns. I mean, it was so bad last year. Josh Allen and Frank Gore combined for 29 rush attempts inside the 10-yard line. Devin Singletary had three. I mean, it's truly one of these situations where they get inside the 10-yard line. This guy just has a nose for the end zone like we're never going to see. And look, Josh Allen, as a rookie, was 10 times worse than the guy we saw last year. And guess what? He got better because they threw a bunch of resources at the offensive line. They added Cole Beasley. They added John Brown. Now they added Stephon Diggs, who was PFF's single best wide receiver last year on deep balls and Josh Allen, while he loves to throw the deep ball, he's not very successful doing so yet. So Stephon Diggs, he was brought there to help that part of his game. If he does what he was brought there to do, I'm with you. This could be a great year for Josh Allen. The one other guy I want to talk about here is Russ Wilson. And, you know, it's 
unbelievable how good this guy is. Truly, like other than Mahomes, I think it's hard to find another guy that can just have this high-end efficiency while just making it look so easy and making these crazy plays on the field. But we've never seen an offense just hamstring, like handcuff their own quarterback like this. We know he doesn't pass the ball, but like Evan, I was even looking. Russ had seven yards on designed rushes last year. He averaged over 150 the previous eight years. I mean, they're not using him to any extent of his strengths. Even if they add Antonio Brown, like how can we be convinced that Seattle's finally going to start airing it out and let Russ cook? Oh, we can't. It's it's, <laughs> it's um, the the hope approach, which the hope approach sometimes works out, but usually doesn't. <laughs> that's that's the approach this year uh, when, when targeting Russell. Will. I mean, he's been so consistent though in terms of being a top nine fantasy quarterback since he entered the league. And his floor is so high, and he's definitely going to have these blow-up games, you know, randomly. Um, and if they sign Antonio Brown, like, come on now. You know, we, we, wheels, are, wheels might come off, and I don't think their defense – they have no pass rush. I mean, talk about – like, they might start LJ Collier, Collier as a uh, starting defensive end. You know, they, they're going to really, really struggle to, to rush the passer, and I think they're going to give up – uh, you know, a good number of points. And I think that Russell's going to have to rally back. That's exactly what happened. I had him on, I had two uh, FFPC main event teams, $1,850 buy-in last year. We had Russ on both of the squads. Unfortunately, he like sort of petered out at the end, but man, we were, we were crushing there for about 10 or 11 weeks, got into playoffs uh, in both leagues. And, um, and he, he was a very much a driving force behind that. I think that DK Metcalf, I mean, the ceiling on this dude is outrageous. I, I'm not even convinced that we've seen the best of Tyler Lockett yet. He is his his on field rapport with Russell Wilson is com- comparable to like Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think he's that's a top three like you know battery uh, battery duo. And um, so and I mean I think that you know Greg Olson was like a solid pickup for them. And then you know. Again, all bets are off if, if they get Antonio Brown. Like, Russ could Russ could be the QB1. And God forbid Will Disley can stay healthy, you know, for more than a couple <laughs> of weeks this time around. So, yeah, I'm, you know, if you're going to, as you said, just have a hope pick, it might as well be a future Hall of Famer like Russ. So, yeah, he, he definitely, at, the, at a minimum, should not be outside your top seven quarterbacks. So, uh, moving on a little bit, I know some people are drinking this TB12 Kool-Aid. You know, we got a potential – continuance of just dominance from Drew Brees, adding Manny Sanders to that offense is great. Hell, maybe even Aaron Rodgers has this, you know, pissed off bounce back season narrative. I don't know, man. When I look at that QB8 spot, that first quarterback after these top seven, I want Carson Wentz. Am I crazy? Are you with me? No, no. Um, I think that a couple of things have happened to – I began the offseason really, really high on Wentz. He was going to be one of my most targeted quarterbacks. I started drafting, and I, I think I took him in, like, my first three drafts or something like that. Uh, I've come down a little bit based on Brandon Brooks, based on um, not great reports on Alshon. Uh, I think they're going to have to rely heavily on Jalen Rieger, who, by the way, I think is a great pick in the late rounds. Um, so my confidence has, has gone down a little bit. But he's still a guy that I think has massive upside. We saw him play at an MVP level in 2017. Um, he was, you know, he wasn't himself in 2018. In 2019, he showed the ability to, I think, put an offense on his back. Um, I like the Eagles' approach that they, instead of 
going really hard after one receiver and, and, and overpaying him. They they took a bunch of shots on dude. Like I like John Hightower out of Boise State. I really like that draft pick. Um, I like the Jalen Rieger pick. I think more than most. You know, uh, they they have the solid foundation of the the two tight ends. Um, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, look, if we can get give me thirteen games of Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. And you know we're 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 cooking with some gas, right? So, um, I, I I do like Carson Wentz, and he's someone that I'm actively looking to draft. I don't think I'm like super high above ADP on him, but I think I'm a little bit high, and he's he's someone that I'm very willing to. I like him better in redraft season long than I do in in uh, in, in best ball because of his injury history a little bit. Uh, but I also think that his injury history is a little bit overrated. I hate back injuries, uh, but he has played 16 games in two of his four seasons. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board with Carson Wentz. Yeah, the injuries have seemed a little bit fluky to an extent. And, I mean, we, we've seen – I forget who came out with this study, excuse me. But, I mean, the rushing quarter – the idea that rushing quarterbacks get hurt more than some pocket statue guy that can't even avoid these oncoming defenders is just, is just outdated. And Wentz has that sneaky rushing floor. I mean, he, if he was a member of the Miami Dolphins last year, he would have led that team in rushing. You know, tied with Ryan Fitzpatrick for the 10th most rushing yards among the QBs. I will go back to that 2017 offense point because, to me, when I look at these three editions of the Eagles offenses in 2017 – we had a much better version of Alshon and Ertz. They, they've always done their thing in intermediate areas of the field. But the key difference, I think, we had Torrey Smith and a good version of rookie year Mac Hollins. At the very least, defense has had to kind of pay them some mind over the top. What happened in 2018? They've tried to replace Smith or Mike Wallace. He gets hurt before the season starts, as does Mac Hollins. No field stretchers. 2019, they go out and get DJAX. Week one, oh my God, that was amazing. Nothing the rest of the year. And, you know, he was throwing the freaking Joshua Perkins, Greg Ward, Nelson Aguilar and crunch time. Just nobody. To your point. Greg, Greg Ward wasn't even that good in the AAF, bro. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. We're not, we're not <laughs> taking those shots right now. But to your point, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, another speedy rookie. They low-key went out and got Marquise Goodwin, which I really like, just to be another field stretcher. So, to me, we knew they had the tight ends, Miles Sanders. I mean, they have plenty of guys that can do things in the short, shallow, intermediate areas of the field. Now they actually have some sort of depth I'm not even saying Goodwin or DJX are going to go crazy this year, but at a minimum, there's some of these safeties need to pay attention to over the top. So I'm with you. I, I like Carson Wentz a little bit more because I think that upside in this offense is, uh, you know, really high. Obviously, the Brandon Brooks injury does not help. But, okay, so we just talked about a bunch of veteran gunslingers, you know, just kind of that I would av avoid in preference of Carson Wentz. One guy that I'm a lot higher on, I think, than most – compared to some of these other veterans, Matthew Stafford. We saw last year, you know, okay, first of all, quarterback, 30-some years old, coming off back injury, not great. We'll get that out of the way. The positives, dude just set all kinds of career highs in his first season with Daryl Bevel. It's amazing what Stafford can do when this entire offensive strategy isn't just dunked down to Theo Riddick and Golden Tate. What are your thoughts on Stafford getting back in 2020, playing like he did the first half of 2019? Same as yours. Same as yours. I mean, yeah. Jim Bob Cooter. Remember, remember when Jim got Jim Bob Cooter had some like head coaching staff buzz <laughs> um, because you know he centered his offense around Theo Riddick. He has like one of the strongest arm passers in the league, and he centers his offense around Theo Riddick and Golden Tate. I mean, come on, man. You know, and Daryl Bevel just gets it. You know, and he was a guy that. I mean, he has a run-heavy history, 
but he also understands like the strengths and weaknesses of the players that he has. And in Seattle, he had freaking beast mode. So, you know, and he had a, like a rookie quarterback, you know, and now in Detroit, he has one of the strongest arm quarterbacks in the league. He has, you know, a big you know, type A alpha in Galladay. He has one of the best number two receivers in the league. One of the most consistent in Marvin Jones. You know, he's got a useful slot receiver when healthy in Danny Amendola. Now, Amendola did stay relatively healthy this past year. I think they're still trying to figure out how to use TJ Hawkinson, which is fine. That happens for uh, rookie tight ends. But, I mean, I'm right there with you with Matt, Matthew Stafford. Um, he's my favorite, like, tier three or, or tier four quarterback to draft. There's a big sort of drop-off after – I wouldn't say drop-off, but there's a huge tier – behind that Russ, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen tier, and he's in it. But I think he's at the top of that tier. And, um, you know, you, you worry about the back injury. Again, he's, he's, another, he's a, sort of like Wentz in that I, would, I, I prefer him actually in season-long redraft. The narrative is always like, oh, great in the best ball, right? But I actually <laughs> would prefer to draft those guys in season-long redraft than best ball because you can just drop them. In, in, in those formats if they get hurt, but you're, 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 you're kind of, you're running dead if, um, if, if those guys get hurt in your, in your best ball league. Yeah. I, th I think sometimes we just need to be careful if the only thing you can really say bad against a player is, Oh, he's going to get, get hurt. Like a lot of times that is already being caked into their ADP. That's why they're that cheap in the first place. And with a guy like Stafford, just look at the upside if they don't get hurt. And last year, only Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott averaged more fancy points per game than Stafford. Might not have, you know, the rushing floor of these other guys, but again, that's why he's going later. We know the ceiling's there. I'm with you. And I mean, Evan, we're focusing on quarterbacks. I don't hate the Lions and what is a way more wide open NFC North than usual. So, okay, now we're officially. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm betting them to win the division, actually. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, I've seen them at like plus 800, plus 900 to win the division. And I'm taking that every single time. Absolutely, man. All right. We're now officially in late-ish round territory. Again, we've, you know, flown by some of these dudes. But now we got guys like Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger. We know the ceilings are there. We've seen it past years. But I want Joe Burrow. I want Joe Burrow QB1. I want Joe Burrow in every fantasy league I'm in this year. Because, you know, I've done a lot of research on these past rookie QB1s from 2010. We have six of them. Cam, Andrew Luck, RG3. Dak, Russ, and last season, Kyler. The two things they have in common, week one starters and a decent rushing floor, at least 25 rushing yards per game. Joe Burrow, he's going to be a week one starter, and low-key average 27 rushing yards per game at LSU. Now, Evan, before I send this to you, be nice to my guy, Auden Tate, but tell me what you think about Joe Burrow in 2020. Auden Tate needs to pull it uh, in uh, David and Joku and request a trade, like, Yes, agreed. Imagine the the fifth receiver on the Bengals uh, requesting a trade. That would be that would be remarkable. But um, I don't have super hot takes on Joe Burrow, um, and I have not drafted him yet. Um, I loved watching him play at LSU. I mean, what a baller, dude! Like, I think the Tony Tony Romo comparison is very very apt. He's he's so aggressive, like keeping his eyes downfield. He's got that you know, not necessarily like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen level of uh, rushing ability, but it's not, it's not that far off. It's, 
It's less far off than you think. Um, and he's just a smart – he looked like a smart football player to me. And I think he loved to play in the up-tempo sort of atmosphere. And I think that Zach Taylor is very willing to run that. So, I don't know. You know, he's sort of like – he's in this big QB2 slash, you know, uh, quarterbacks that have QB1 upside, sort of lower-end quarterback one upside. And he's sort of in this big, big mishmash of those sort of guys. And you can make argue, arguments for them and, and make arguments against them a lot. And the argument against Joe Burrow is just that he's a rookie quarterback coming in, uh, you know, fresh off a of pandemic that what he didn't go to rookie minicamp. There was no June. There was no June mandatory camp. There were no OTAs. You know, how many pre he's going to come in like just he's got nothing. I mean, he's, he has no practice time with, with, with his dudes. And that's scary for me. But um you know, we're not really looking at Joe Burrow for his floor. We're looking at him for his upside. Another thing that scares scares me though is his schedule. His schedule is bad. So, I mean, just begin with the division. You know, the Browns are probably the weakest defensive foe, and they have a lot of a lot of talent uh, on defense. And the Steelers are terrifying. And um, the uh, the Ravens are no pushover at all. I mean, they have they have they you know they they get it like that they. They actually, they are, they're willing to concede rushing yards to be great against the pass. And, I mean, they just get it. So those are the things that, that hold me back against taking a really strong stand against uh, or, or for Joe Burrow. But, man, I, I love him as a play, player, player. You know, and I, I, I think I'm going to bet on him uh, being sort of underwhelming in year one and then smashing in year two. I guess for me, it's just like everything you just said about him in college. I mean, we just saw maybe the single best season from a college quarterback ever. And conveniently, you know, we can get him kind of QB 18, QB 20 range in a lot of these uh, drafts. You know, A.J. Green, we'll see what he's got. Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Autumn Tate, T. Higgins, Mixon. There are worse groups of weapons on these, you know, terrible teams in the league. And, you know, yes, I hear you. Schedule not great. And they should be playing catch up a lot. Hopefully for fantasy purposes, that will mean more passes. Bengals were one of just nine teams last year to throw at least 600 times. We'll see if that continues with a rookie. Certainly some issues there. Now, I think I might have your favorite late round quarterback nailed here. You and Mr. You know, friend of the show, Adam Levitan, were some of the first to coin the fantastic nickname. Danny Dimes, you two expectations <laughs> for the man with the Giants. And, and real quick, I just want to say that I've learned over these last two years, like as someone that doesn't watch as much college tape, you know, as yourself and some of the true grinders out there, like just the overwhelming narrative that neither Josh Allen nor Daniel Jones were going to be worth a, like anything in the NFL. Let's watch him. Let's watch him get some NFL snaps first, everyone. I mean, I'm not saying I was pounding the drum that these guys are going to be great, but at a minimal for fantasy purposes, let's stop writing off quarterbacks before we see them play. So with that off my yeah. chest, Evan, Daniel Jones, 2020. Well, and, and to add to your point, Let's stop writing off quarterbacks that can run. Yes. Compensate for some of their other deficiencies throughout the rest of their game because both those guys check the same box that Josh Allen – well, but it, it, you know, I remember watching Josh Allen play at Wyoming, and he did not come off as an aggressive scrambler or like a really productive scrambler. His, um, his production, when you just look at the box score, it was, um, it, it was okay as, as a rusher. But I don't think we ever saw that, oh, yo, he enters the NFL and he leads all quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns through his <laughs> seasons. You know, that, that was not – and that's something that I, I 
I can go off about this a little bit. But <laughs> go off, King. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> some people are a little sticking to their priors a little, a little bit too much on Josh Allen and not realizing that he is um, that, that, you know, the value of his rushing and the fact that he can be elevated by his supporting cast and uh, from, from a passing standpoint. And the bills have done a the bills have been so analytical in putting together their supporting cast for Josh Allen. Like they know that Josh Allen has deficiencies, right? They know that Josh Allen was the worst deep ball passer in the league last year. What do they do? They got the best deep ball receiver. Exactly. Exactly. That's analytical. That's analytical. <laughs> you know, you know, I don't care. You, you could say it's, I mean, I could talk about this forever, but you know, that, that's that, that, you know, that, that really, uh, you know, put that, that puts some perspective on what the bills are doing with regard to a player that they know has deficiencies and they're going to learn from their mistakes. You remember when Brandon Bean trade, Brandon Bean, who was a Dave Gettleman disciple, by the way, he traded for Kelvin Benjamin. He traded a third round pick for Kelvin Benjamin. That was, I think he learned from that mistake. You know, he was like, well, the, the whole philosophy in Carolina and Brandon Bean was the assistant GM under, um, under Dave Gettleman in Carolina. The whole philosophy there was that we want big receivers to make it so that Cam's accuracy issues, he would throw high a lot. Hey, if he's going to throw high, our, our big dudes are, are going to go get it, you know? So we drafted Devin Funches in the second round. We had Greg Olson, you know, we, uh, we drafted Kelvin Benjamin in the first round, you know? And so we, we are, we're, we're trying to, and, and that made some sense theoretically, but I think that it was a mistake. And we saw that when the Panthers went to the Super Bowl after Kelvin Benjamin went out and, um, and, you know, Ted and Ted Ginn, he just, he was, he was the, the dog chasing the Frisbee you know? <laughs> and, and he would just go get the rock. And he scored 10 touchdowns that, that year. And the, the bills under Brandon Bean have learned from those mistakes. And that's why they went out and got John Brown. And that's why they went out and got Stefan Diggs. And so, man, it's going to be a long year for the haters. You know what I'm saying? Long year for the haters, Long man. Year. It might be the longest year. For the <laughs> All right. Real quick, though, man, what are your thoughts on Daniel Jones? I, I know Josh Andre oh, guy. Yeah. got, got a little off topic. Of it's all good. Yeah, Daniel Jones. Massive tangent. Um, I'm worried about Jason Garrett. I'm worried about the – I'm a lot lower on Daniel Jones than I was uh, in, like, February and March. Okay. Um, you know, the the offensive coordinator, the, the lack of continuity um, – uh, you know, the, the you know, word or the reports that the uh, Giants are going to want to run a very Dallas Cowboys 2014 style of offense. Um, I, I wish they, that they had, they had been a little bit more progressive with their, um, with their play calling higher. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, we, we saw the ceiling last year. Only Lamar had more games with at least 30 fantasy points than Danny Dimes. Now it was seven versus three. It's not like they were right next to each other, but we did see the ceiling. Loaded offense, you know, bad defense. Like you said, man, we have quarterbacks all throughout this kind of tier where we can talk ourselves into if we want. Uh, you know, obviously changing play caller is certainly something to be uh, concerned with. Okay, now everything we've been talking about is whatever because this is the real question we need to get through. 
Cam freaking Newton. He's back. I love Cam. You love Cam. Anyone that loves football should love Cam. I've never seen a quarterback just take over games physically the way he's done over the past decade. And he just, you know, like most running quarterbacks, they just get unfairly, uh, you know, dinged when we talk about, you know, what they can do from the pocket as well. Of course, haven't quite seen a healthy version of Cam since, you know, while people make it out to be like the 90s, it's been since the first half of 2018, since Cam has been healthy. Go off, King. Go off. In fantasy, I am buying Cam all the way at this reduced cost. You're giving me people throwing him the QB 20s, ADP. He's never been anything but a QB one when he's been on the field. So I got him a little, I even felt kind of bad QB 14. I I wanted to get him in that QB one range, but there is concern. We saw these reports like yesterday, the day before, like he he did pass the physical, like things are going good with the Patriots. So clearly they wouldn't have signed him. They didn't have some sort of semblance of his health. As sad as this is to say, I think he might have the best receiving weapons of his career at this point in New England's extremely underwhelming group of receivers. Evan, how are you approaching Cam Newton this year? Devin Asiasi and uh, who's the other tight end that they drafted? Uh, yeah, they're doing their little two tight end trick again. I have yeah. to get the other guy. <laughs> I can't remember the other guy. That's that's sad. But um, Ed- Edelman, Harry, Sanu, I mean – Give yeah. me them over. No, a, a Jericho Cotter, rock solid, rock solid possession receiver. Um, as is, I mean, Julian Edelman. No one, no one can cover a healthy Julian Edelman. I mean, he, he gets open so early in the route, um, and we don't. We've seen flashes of Nikhil Harry. I don't know. Well, you know, he's he'll he'll be like the Devin Funches with Cam. There we go. But, um, you know, at 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 his, at his maximum probably. But yeah, I I have I put Q. Uh, Cam at QB 17 ahead of right ahead of Aaron Rodgers, yeah. and um, who isn't a good fantasy quarterback anymore. And Cam, um, I look, I think that there are he, he's just like a classic sort of boomer bust guy, and so I guess putting him at quarterback 17 is hedging, but I still think it it puts me and you know my audience in position to get Cam Newton if you want to get Cam Newton. Um, because everyone's taking Aaron Rodgers ahead of Cam Newton, and we are higher on Cam Newton uh, than than Aaron Rodgers, uh, respected to consensus and, and respected uh, to ADP. I'm a Cam believer. This man, people are saying he's washed up. This man just turned 31 two months ago. Okay, this man was, I mean, like playing at a borderline MVP level in 2018 until his arm just fell off because the, the surgery didn't take. And, and, and he came back in, in weeks one and two and in training camp in 2019. And, I mean, he was throwing rocket ships to Curtis, Curtis Samuel. And his arm looked great. He had that really unfortunate, uh, just unlucky. He got hurt in the preseason, like on, with, the, with the Liz Frank. And that really inhibited him. And he tried to play through it. I mean, what a warrior to, to go out there and, and try to play through it. And he just wasn't effective enough. Um, and you understand that Dr. Chow, I don't, if, if you subscribe to uh, profootballdoc.com, it's like Cam Newton was 100% months ago. And the problem w- that, that Cam Newton faced was the coronavirus. And Jadavion G- G- uh, Clowney is facing the same thing right now. They, they began the offseason thinking that they were going to get like $20 million a year. You know, the offers just weren't coming because no team is going to offer you. Like, Jadavion Clowney has a scary injury history. Cam Newton actually doesn't have a scary injury history, but recently he's gotten hurt a bunch. So, and teams need to bring them, bring these guys into their facilities 
and they couldn't because of the coronavirus. They just got screwed by the, the situation. Um, and so Cam Newton ultimately really lowered his expectations. He's got plenty of, plenty of bands, right? So he lowers his expectations. He takes this like minimum deal where he can make a max of 8 million and he's trying to win. Like, and, and you, you see the videos of him. You see, let me ask you this. You see any videos of Leonard Fournette out here crushing it in the weight room? I, I don't. I did not. I did not. I, I, have, I haven't seen one yet. Uh, but I've seen of, you know, these, these great, uh, you know, bet on bounce back candidates like Cam Newton and James Conner. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine willing to bet on, on that. You know, I, w- I would never bet on uh, Leonard Fournette and this is another tangent that we should avoid, but, uh, but well, Newton, that's, that's a little unprovoked shot Leonard, but we're going to allow it. We're going to allow it. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't mean it personally with Leonard. I mean, you know, that's I never personal. I mean, we we hate ADP, never, never players. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. um, it was just they, they got screwed by the situation that is occurring in the world right now. And I think that eventually Jadavion Clowney is going to probably take a deal sort of similar to Cam Newton's where it's, you know, his, his base is right around the minimum, but he can make a, you know, a good chunk of money if, um, you know, if, if, if he turns into production. Yeah, and uh, PFF Seth Galen had a really good write-up on maybe what we could expect as Patriots offense to look like. And the game he really looked at, which I thought was a good call, was 2016, you know, Brady had the suspension to start the season, and then Jimmy G comes in, balls out, Jimmy G gets hurt. So we had a rookie year version of Jacoby Brissett where they clearly just did not trust him to really throw the ball. Turned in eight rush attempts, 46 yards in his score. But just like if you watch some of the highlights from that game, the creative things that McDaniels was doing with Newton in that run game, I mean, he's going to help the whole offense. We even heard Edelman come out and say already, like, it's going to be a lot harder to cover him on third downs than bracket him with two guys when you got to worry about, you know, having that QB spy there for Cam. So, like you said, man, the upside is there. And as I was looking at the ranks, I originally I had him kind of in that QB 18, 20 range with a lot of people. And then it's like, really? I, I wouldn't take Cam over Roethlisberger, yeah. over Rodgers, over Goff? I'm, I'm so. moving him up after this discussion. I mean, <laughs> I, I, had, I had him behind Goff. I'm like, that's embarrassing at this point. And uh, I'm going to move him up. But, you know, he showed in 2018 that he could play in the quick game. Yeah. You know, that, that was a big Christian McCaffrey year. It was a big, uh, you know, a, 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 you know a, like a promising year for DJ Moore and uh, Curtis Samuel, all in the quick game. He had a very, very high complete – I think he completed almost 68% of his passes. The Patriots love the quick game. I mean, imagine Cam Newton in the quick game playing at super hot, you know, fast tempo, which the Patriots are specialized in. Man, I'm moving him up. I'm moving up after the show. That was the crappy thing about the whole Carolina situation. They finally got McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, all these guys that could create after the catch and make his life easy for the first time ever and just unfortunately couldn't be healthy for it. So – we will both be moving them up after the show. All right, quickly run through some of these other guys. This one could be kind of quick. Are we touching any of these QBs and run-first offenses with limited rushing ability? And I'm talking about Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill. I, I guess Tannehill has a little bit of rushing ability, but just with the volume in Tennessee offense, it's an issue. Any interest in these guys? I like Garoppolo a lot. Uh, primarily for his schedule. Uh, which is just, I mean, it's a cakewalk out the gate. I mean, it is like they're going to they're gonna crush. I think their defense is going to be a little bit worse. Actually, maybe potentially significantly worse. Um, they traded away DeForest Buckner. Their secondary was like living on a prayer last year. And um, they lost their, their DBs coach, uh, Joe Woods. He went and became the defensive coordinator in Denver. 
Um, I think Robert Saleh is like the most overrated coordinator that I've ever seen. Uh, their fourth down like stop percentage was just off the charts last year. That's going to uh, hit back toward uh, re regression toward the mean. Uh, I mean, I still think they're going to be like a top 10 defense, but they're not going to be like, you know, take over the game sort of defense. And I think they're, that, that will allow their offense to flourish. And I think that this Debo, I hate the Debo Samuel injury, but if it translates to Greg Kittle or George Kittle, Greg Kittle getting 33% of those targets that were intended for Debo Samuel, like let's, let's fucking go. Okay. Let's fucking go. And George Kittle, I think, I think he's like, he's going to score 12 touchdowns at some point in his career. His so far, his career high is five touchdowns. Um, and I, I really like Jimmy G. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not taking him like in the single digit rounds or anything like this, but he's one of my favorite, like 12th round quarterbacks. So I, I don't like Tannehill this year in fantasy. And who was the other guy? Uh, Cousins. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, Stefan Diggs is that, that's a problem. Yeah. A uh, funny point on Kittle. He had a league high three touchdowns nullified by penalty last year. No one else had more great than nugget, two. Great nugget. And, uh, yeah, Jimmy G, three games last year with at least four t passing touchdowns. I mean, Lamar Jackson led the league with four. It's, it's absolutely, again, Lamar's passing stats are just wild because no one expects him to kind of have these types of counting numbers he did. And also, I mean, remember, Jimmy G was coming off that torn ACL in 2019. I, I know players more that than That was ever, only his first full season ever under Kyle Shanahan. Oh, it's wow. been there four years, hasn't it? And you, you look at these guys Shanny's got. I mean, he's built an offense of just yak monsters. I mean, every single time I you know, who's yeah. this Brandon Ayuk guy. Let's figure this out. Ayuk is about to get Ayuk, like, you know, yeah. he's about to gain like eight eight fifty uh, receiving and seven fifty after the catch. After the catch, <laughs> he's got the single, maybe the single best mind in the league to scheme him those touches. So, going to be a fun offense this year for sure. All right. My two favorite late round QBs, late, late round QBs. You know, if you're in one QB leagues, you might not be touching these guys, but two QBs are guys that just want to wait until, you know, round 12 and on. Teddy Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew. Teddy, his schedule to start the season, absolutely fantastic. It's the Raiders, Buccaneers, Chargers, Cardinals, and Falcons weeks one through five. Consider him, you know, if you got one of these quarterbacks with a rougher start, like a Joe Burrow or someone like that. He's got the weapons, the scheme. Now, Gardner Minshew doesn't have the same caliber weapons, probably not the same caliber scheme. He's on a team that appears to openly be wanting to lose. But we saw him play last year. You know, he said Burrow's got a little Romo-esque ability. It's not the craziest thing to point to Minshew as well. And he did finish fifth in the league in rushing yards per game. Those were all on scrambles. I would not expect that to be as, you know, optimal as, you know, Lamar or Kyler Murray, someone that's getting those design rushes. But, Evan, thoughts on Teddy and Gardner and if you're buying their respective late-round QB hype? Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, right now we're doing the Scott Fishbowl and it's super flex and the quarterbacks get docked for taking sacks. And um, I think it's a, a full point for, for uh, sack taken. Right. Are, are, are you are you in? Yeah. There? Yeah. yeah. I, I believe it is full point. Yeah. So that's actually a really big deal. Um, you know, there are some quarterbacks that take like five sacks a game you know, like Deshaun Watson. And, and I, I worry that Minshew could, could fall into that, um, fall into that. I don't think Bridgewater will, though. Bridgewater, I don't want to give away my – please publish this on, you know, um, Thursday <laughs> that we have most of the – no, I know. For sure, man, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. 
But I think that Bridgewater is not going to take very many sacks. Um, and I think that – because I think he's going to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And um, he is an awesome QB, two in, like, Scott Fishbowl, I think. Um, yeah. But I, I think that, yeah, I mean, the defense is going to be – I think it's going to be the worst defense in the league in Carolina, like, by, by a good chunk. And people are like, oh, well, they use every seven uh, – every all, the, all seven of their – uh, rook, uh, their draft picks on defense. Yeah, no shit. Like, <laughs> you're gonna start. I hope so. Yeah. So yeah. So we're we're gonna be. I mean, they've lost James Bradbury, Luke Keekley, Mario Addison, Gerald McCoy. You know, they lost like they lost like their entire defense, and and, and they weren't even like very good last year. So I get. I, I guess you could argue. Oh well, they were they were bad last year. So getting rid, running out a bunch of rookies is not going to save their defense. They're going to have the worst defense in the league, I think. You bottom like three. And the Panthers are going to play up-tempo. If you're, if you're familiar at all with Joe Brady and what he did at LSU, he's going to play really, really fast. I mean, that was one thing that stood out to me about watching the LSU offense. And he's got a background with Sean Payton, too. Uh, Joe Brady does. Uh, and and with obviously with Teddy Bridgewater, that was one of the reasons that uh, they went after Teddy Bridgewater. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like Bridgewater. I like Minshew, too. I think we're going to get a lot of rushing yards from Minshew. Minshew was like top five or six in, in rushing yards among quarterbacks this past year. And now he's just got free reign. Who's there? Who is even the Jaguars backup quarterback right now? Oh, man. Is Chad Henney still in the league? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, man. Look, the biggest knock against Teddy has always been this. He checks down. Well, you know who the two top offenses and checking down were last year, 49ers and saints. And I think Kyle Shanahan and, you know, Sean Payton know a thing or two about running an offense. Like it's, if you don't need to chuck it downfield and defense are kind of respecting it anyway. Okay. Take the easy yards. You know, you don't get broke making a profit, that kind of thing. So I think with Teddy and you look at these weapons, Okay, let's say he does keep checking it down. You know, as we mentioned before, Cam finally had all these yak weapons and now he's not going to take advantage of. Teddy very well could. And just, I cannot overstate how much better Teddy is in every single facet of the game than Kyle Allen. I mean, last year, even if Teddy isn't throwing downfield like half as often, 57% of his deep balls were catchable. Kyle Allen was league low 30%. So, you know, DJ Moore, even Curtis Samuel stands like myself that I've been hiding a little bit more than usual this past offseason. Let's get back in on Carolina, everyone. All right, now quickly, Evan, last one here. There's still some quarterbacks we haven't talked about. Baker Mayfield, Phillip Rivers, Sam Darnold, Derek Carr, Dwayne Haskins, the Bears self-pronounced league best QB room, Ty God and Herbert in L.A., uh, Dolphins low-key solid situation with Fitzmagic and Tua. You know, out of this kind of bottom kind of eight group, anyone you're interested in? Baker Mayfield maybe? You can have them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that the name of the game this year for Baker Mayfield is going to be efficiency and not necessarily volume production. Um, I mean, just they're, they, it's ve- they have a very clear focus in Cleveland. They hired Kevin St- Stefanski, uh, you know, balanced play caller in terms of run-to-pass ratio, uh, number five last year in terms of uh, play-action rate. And Baker Mayfield has been – so much better using play action than not using play action because it keeps him from doing that little thing where he like scrambles to the right and just like, you know, throws some errant pass. I mean, and they, and they can't beat the contain from the more athletic defensive end. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's such a bad habit. I know it's a habit like you and I'm like Matt Waldman used to talk about that. He would do it at Oklahoma. 
But when you put him in a play action situation where all he, all he has to do is execute, you know, take the, take the ball from, uh, from under center, execute a fake, which he's, and he's great at executing the fake. And some quarterbacks are not good at executing the fake. He's very good at selling it. And then you give him defined reads. You give him a high low, right? And that's perfect for Baker Mayfield. Um, you do not want him, you know, I don't even think you want him playing like, like spread. I mean, I think that you, you want to keep him sort of confined and just define things for him. And um, so that he doesn't do that shit where he runs off to the right. You know, it's just, oh, it's, it's agonizing to watch him play like that. But um, I think it's just going to be an efficiency game for him. I think he'll have some big games, but he's again, a guy who's in a, in, in a division where it's like playing the Steelers twice. You're never going to want to use Baker Mayfield against the Steelers from a fantasy standpoint. Um, you know, I, I think the, the Cincinnati has some talent on defense. He may, maybe he'll have some good games against them, but, you're not going to really want to use him against Baltimore either in all likelihood, at least going in. He might have a good game on the back end, but you're not going to want to use him, uh, you know, running into that. So, uh, and, and he's at the top of that tier. So it's just, that's a gross tier. It really is. And yeah, I'm, even if the efficiency is there, which it could be, it's the fancy guy, you know, career best totals and most things out of cousins last year. I mean, I do like the Browns decision. They finally just used their top pick offensive line. Great. They really didn't add a number three wide receiver all off season, which makes me think we're going to see plenty of hunt and chub as we should get your best players on the field. So good things there. I like the idea of the Browns as a somewhat post hype team, at least maybe being more competitive than they were last year, but even if that Vikings offense was a little more Kubiak based than Stefanski, I still think we could probably see them lean on the run. And, you know, we, we've heard kind of Kyler Murray comparisons with Baker Mayfield, just in, can't take that year two leap where he's going to bust. Kyler has one of the best rushing floors we've ever seen. Baker has nothing like that. So at least for fantasy football purposes, going to be hard to get uh, by Baker. Only other guy I kind of bring up in this group, uh, Tyrod, maybe as long as he's there as a streamer. Cause I mean, look, Tyrod, was playing some amazing ball, especially fantasy-wise, with the Bills. All we have otherwise is about a game and a half of a huge action experiment. Again, how many times have we seen that go wrong? So you interested in Tyrod at all, just streaming as long as he can hold off Herbert? No, he's he's like my favorite QB3. And I think that he's going to hold off Herbert much longer than anyone anticipates. And look, I understand the history of quarterbacks drafted in the top 10 and how likely they are to you know play as rookies. This is not a normal year, you know, for, I mean, Justin Herbert, he's, the, he's, he's not going to get any reps. He's not going to get any reps in practice during the regular season. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it, would, it would be, it, I think it would take Tyrod really like hurting the team to, uh, for them to turn to Justin Herbert, uh, certainly within the first half of the year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go like nine and seven or 10 and six and they're like legit competitive and, as long as they're competitive, Tyrod's going to be their star. Anthony Lynn loves him. Uh, Anthony Lynn was his um, was on staff in Buffalo when Tyrod Taylor had his, his best seasons, and his supporting cast is just good, man. He got Mike Williams, yeah. Hunter Henry, uh, Austin Eckler. You know, maybe the best receiving back in the league. Like his supporting cast is pretty good. He's sort of set up for he's set up for success almost. I would say. Uh, with the Chargers, and, and I think I think Justin Herbert's going to sit. Schefter actually was reported that the Chargers completely plan on sitting Justin Herbert um, for as long as they possibly can, 
And of course, the, and I remember like I, I like RT'd that and then every response was like, well, look at the history of, you know, quarterback, <laughs> you know, quarterbacks drafting the top 10. And I was like, well, what's the history of uh, quarterbacks drafted in the top 10 uh, during a pandemic? And, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, there is none, obviously. So people are not applying the, the correct context there. And I think that Tyrod, I think what, what it, let me ask you this, Ian. What would be the what would be a good over under for Tyrod in terms of starts? Would it be? And I, I just I just made this spiel. Let me let me set it actually for you. Let's say let's say nine and a half. Nine and a half. I take the under. I'm just still yeah. Buy I know you would because I I listened to you on the Roto World podcast and you were like yeah, but this history of the quarterbacks being drafted in the top ten. <laughs> yeah, I, I think five and a half would be a good line because I, I think that five staff is pulling out. You know, all right, hey, let's generally... go to the schedule. Let's okay. go to the schedule. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, week one, Bengals. Tyrod week, is back. That's the post-game headline. Week two at home against the Chiefs. That's that's scary. Yeah. But that could be like, you know, 37-34 maybe. Sure. Maybe. Um, week three at home against the Panthers. Stomp, stomp. We're cooking, we're cooking again. We're cooking. All right, at Buccaneers. Ooh, that's a little scary. That defense is low key. All right. At Saints, that's a little scary. We go back home again, and we face the Jets, the cross country traveling Jets. Then we get the Dolphins. So if Jaguars he can hold on Raiders. to the, he needs Jaguars to get past Raiders. that Saints game. He needs to get past that Saints game because yeah, Jets Dolphins. You're right. You're right. Perfect. You for, know what? That should be the over under, shouldn't it be? It should be five games. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Okay. We'll yeah. go with that. Well, it, I, it should be five and a half. Actually, you fucking nailed it. Nah. <laughs> All right. I will say though. I mean, you sold me on Tiger. He's not this like veteran stopgate. Oh, we had him once upon a time. Let's bring him in this year. No, he's been Rivers' backup. He has experience in the offense. Not even to mention his previous years with Anthony Lynn, as you said. And man, it wasn't just that one Sheffield report. This entire offseason, Lynn's been going. He's more than a bridge quarterback to us. I mean, you know, working the Roto World News, it was getting nauseating how many times the Chargers were just randomly going out of their way to back up Tyrod. So, you know, nine and a half, no, no thanks, man. But five and a half, it's it's definitely more of a conversation than people are making out to be. That's for sure. Yeah, well, you know, I don't I don't claim to work at a sports book, but you know, maybe they can be, bro. All right, man. I think that's gonna about do it. Any final thoughts? Anything you uh, got coming up? You want to pitch to the fine folks? No, no. I'm just trying to get done with this move. I've been uh, moving. It's like you know, we're entering week two now of uh, the move, and I feel like I'm like about fifteen percent done. Um, All right, man. Well, uh, I, I, thanks so much for having me on, Ian. You know, and I guess the only time that we ever podcasted before, as you mentioned, was about the AAF on the Fantasy Feast. And hopefully, we can get to do this more. Um, I, I respect your your football knowledge immensely. You know, I listen to I try to listen to all your podcasts. You know, certainly on on Roto World, and now I'm you know I'm definitely going to subscribe to this now on on, on PFF and. Um, Salute, man. Salute. I'm, I'm rooting for you, brother. Salute to you, man. Appreciate all those kind words. We will definitely be potting again. You have set an incredibly high bar for the rest of us in this industry to chase after. So for Evan, I am Ian Harditz. You've listened to the PFF Fantasy Pod. Thank you all. And until next time.